welcome to Enhance the UK's Undressing Disability podcast, where we strip back all things taboo on sex and disability. Hello, I'm your host Damien, and today we are talking to Jamie Finch, who is the host of the amazing podcast, Let's Talk About Sex, Jamie. So, straight in. Hello, Jamie. Hello. You right? Yeah, you? Good, yeah. Yeah, really good. Excited for this. The first thing we've got to do is, please, can you audio describe yourself? Audio describe myself. So I've never been asked to do this before. Uh, so you might have to tell me if there's like bits that I miss out. But I am a 30-year-old cis straight white guy. <laughs> Another one. Um, I'm pretty pasty right now. We're going from summer into winter. So I'm very happy to have pasty skin. And now I look normal because uh, it's going to be cold. And yeah, far too long hair because uh, I'm still blaming the pandemic. Even though you've been able to get your hair cut for the last like six months, I'm still blaming the pandemic on my hair being this long. No, uh, I think you yeah. can get away with rocking the long locks though. Okay, cool, cool. I'll take that. Thank you. You just bought me another three months of not getting my <laughs> hair cut. <laughs> we'll definitely take that. So I think the best way to start is like, I absolutely adore your podcast. So I think Thank we you. need to find out why you started doing it. Mm. What, what got you involved in like talking about sex? So um, I started uh, thinking about this like four or five years ago. I've only been releasing episodes of the podcast for coming up to two years now, but I've been collecting them for way longer than that. Um, I, yeah, I sort of, I met some people and one of my favorite things to talk about was, was sex. And I felt like I was learning loads by talking to other people about their sex lives. And I've, I've always been pretty vanilla, like I still am. Um, not big in the kink world, like you know, my 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 uh my tastes are pretty middle of the road, I'd say. Uh, I say Madagascan vanilla, like just slightly above vanilla, you know. Um, and I always felt like I was learning loads by talking to other people about their experiences, and it was just my favorite thing to do. So I did the the classic thing that every millennial does, which is you know, oh my god, I should start a podcast. Um, and yeah, did that, started collecting stories. Um, and since then, it's kind of transformed a bit I, the, the early days was very much me just kind of talking to people about their funny hookup stories and you know weird gross things that they've done and laughing about it and then it, I kind of realized that you know sexual health is so intrinsically linked to mental health um and all kinds of things that it's really gone into that direction now like I talk to all kinds of people from all over the world like all over the spectrum it's amazing and I'm really like learning a lot about it um, and yeah, I guess it always, the plan was always for it to come from a, a, a place of like naivety and just wanting to learn more. Um, because I felt like when I first wanted to make the podcast, I was like, oh, I don't need to do that. There are other sex podcasts out there. There's loads of sex podcasts. I should go listen to those. And the only ones that I heard that were hosted by guys were always kind of like sleazy or like they, they were sort of interviewing porn stars and like being quite flirty with them. And like, it just felt like, uh, this isn't like the kind of vibe I want. It felt a bit weird. So I, I, yeah, I like coming at it from a sort of, I'm stupid tell me about things and I get to learn things and that's really fun and I get to talk to amazing people like yourself so yeah yeah you can't be like you know every day is a school day and you've, exactly, you've got yeah. to learn and I think listening to other people is probably one of the best ways of doing this and like you said some of the podcasts out there especially the ones that are talking about porn stars more and things mm. like that they do come across as quite in intimidating yeah um and it can put people off and I think like, you know, different generations look at things in different ways. And I think now this is something we need to look at for younger people as well. Like, I don't know what your sex education was like. Mine was terrible, mm. non-existent, mm. especially as a disabled person. Right. Yeah. So were you disabled when you were having sex education as well? Then? Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've been complaining about my sexy education recently. Actually, you've probably got way more complaints than I do. Because yeah, like I said at the start, like I'm still I'm still a cis white straight male, so I've got it pretty good, you know. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. Like for for me, uh, the one bit of sex education we got was how to put a condom. Oh yeah. On like a yeah. plastic supposed penis didn't look anything like that was it <laughs> yeah. it was yeah. and that was it we didn't get anything else apart from like odds bit bits in science yeah and obviously it was like, all very productive it was like very here's how babies are made here's how you avoid babies and how you avoid stis that's basically yeah. it nothing about pleasure yeah which still you can't do now yeah you, you can't talk yeah. about pleasure um yeah. one of the things that i've talked about before is that i have just recently qualified as a sex educator mm, congratulations thank you uh, which was so interesting doing the course but when you do it you are told you i cannot talk about pleasure it's really a weird thing yeah no way that's so interesting so what are you talking about then the sex educator is someone that talks about like production and you but... you can talk about like um contraceptives right hiv yeah you can tell them what all the parts are but you yeah. can't actually tell them what the clitoris is for for example you can tell Whoa. them where it is, yeah. where it is, but you can't tell yeah. them what it's for. Right. Because That's so interesting. Yeah, because you can't be seen to be encouraging younger people to be learning about pleasure and having Yeah, I, t- I understand, like, from that perspective, you know, are we allowed to go down on tangent, tangent on this? Is that cool? Yeah. Uh, so I understand from that perspective, yeah, okay, you don't want to encourage, you don't want kids to find out that sex is great when they're when they're not quite ready to have it, right? So I get that. I I totally think that sex education should start from a place of yeah safety and health, and here's how you do it properly, and you know here's how to not get pregnant and stuff like that. But yeah, not talking about pleasure at all just means that we're pushing all these people out into the world who have no idea what they're doing. We all we all learn through doing or lack of doing. Um, or worse, we learn through porn. Like, and I don't get me wrong, I I. I like porn, big porn fan. I think a lot of c- cool, good things can be learned from porn. Um, but there's also a lot of bad things that can be learned from porn. And, you know, if, if kids are going, sh- and then, you know, kids have screens in front of them way earlier than we did, right? Yeah. So from like, you know, <laughs> whatever age, they have access to porn when their parents aren't watching. And, you know, it, they're going to be learning all kinds of like hardcore things by watching that. Yeah, they're going um, straight to the extreme. That's the big problem. Yeah, exactly. We had to work up. We had to find a porn mag in a forest. And Definitely. like, look at one one half of a boob on the page that was left, and like, work our way up to porn, you know, proper porn. <laughs> yeah, and and now they just have that instant access to it, and for all that can be safeguarding with apps and things like that, they are still going to find a way around it. Yeah, but I think that that though it can lead into another question because, like, for me, you've got to start an early age educating, especially the young men, about trying to educate them about like respect, consent, mm. things like that. Yeah, but then like. I've heard you talk so many times about, you know, the stigma of male like sex toys and masturbation and things like mm-hmm. that, where, you know, for years, because of like sex in the city, things like that, it's been promoted for women, vulva owners, whichever way you want, you know, people yeah. like to put it, that masturbation is great, hit by, the, by a rabbit, that sort of thing. But yeah. for men, there is such a stigma of using sex toys. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, when when, when you and I were growing up, like, and summer's thing and summer's parties were a thing right and it was where yeah. all the girls like your mum and your aunt and like girl mates and you know sisters whatever would would get together and they'd have a giggle and they'd all get a bit drunk and like excited over these toys and stuff how amazing is that now it was awkward as hell when we were kids and thinking about oh god my mum's thinking about buying a sex toy but like how awesome is that it's a, it's a space where women can come together and um, and i work with people that used to give these parties as well um 
and they would have the option of uh, a male instructor or a female instructor would show up and then show you all the toys and then they buy stuff. That's awesome. Imagine if we had something like that for guys. I, I think that is, I think we should be doing something like that. Um, I'm definitely not allowed to talk about it. I said it was a secret at the start, but I'm going to anyway. I'm looking at bringing out a sex toy. Um, I'm currently designing a sex toy and hoping to, it will see the light of day one day. But um, that sex toy is something that I think should be every, every penis owner's first sex toy. And something that happens, you get it when you're like 18, 19, 20 around the same age where Volvo owners are getting their first bullet, you know, they're, yeah. they're getting bought a bullet or my, yeah, my first girlfriend when I was 15, she had a rabbit might be a bit extreme, uh, but she had a rabbit when she was a teenager. Um, and yeah, I just think that guys need that because we're just going, you know, with dry, strong grip hands, you know, our entire lives and training ourselves. This is how orgasms work. And then we worry that we wonder why there are, we have, you know, premature or delayed ejaculation in our late twenties. Um, so yeah, I think that, the stigma well sorry i'm going off on one the stigma around male sex toys is definitely something needs to be addressed but i think it should also be like addressed earlier i think younger men should be looking at toys and you know exploring themselves i I completely agree and i've had that conversation so many times like especially in my years working in the sex toy industry you Mm. know i've had these conversations but it's seen as such obviously as a taboo talking like in that sense of because of age but i think we do need to address that the best thing in some ways is for someone to explore themselves before each other. And I think yeah. like you said, bringing <laughs> sex toys into that is probably one of the best ways. Yeah. You know, it's, and you don't even have to go for something extreme. Like we'll talk about more products shortly, but there's even something as simple as uh, a Tenga reg or something like that. Yeah. It's so good for someone to start with. Yeah. I've got, I've got just tw- 12 of them. I've got a dozen of tangerangs over here. I should, I should have them within arm's reach. My bad. But yeah, they're right there. Yeah. I'm a big fan of those. I always thought I was the only person who always had sex toys on the desk. You know, Oh, they're everywhere. No, they're <laughs> everywhere. You've caught me on a bad day. Normally they're within arm's reach, but I've got like, yeah, I've got like seven in my room right now. Yeah. There you go. See, you just yeah. reach over there and there's one there. That's it. That's me showing a sex toy to Jamie. It's just because yeah. they're always there. Yeah. But I think it doesn't have to, like I say, it doesn't have to be anything extreme. And I think if we can bring this into the conversations with young men, I think it can only be a good thing. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I think, I think that, you know, sex, the, the fact that without naming brands, you know, the fact that when you think of male sex toy, there are certain brands and certain images that come to mind, right? They're, yeah. they're quite extreme, right? They're quite big. They're quite bulky. They're basically vulvas on sticks, yeah. um, which I think are great like cool have fun with those but you know that's where we're thinking and also just price range wise they're like mid to high range yeah but when you think of female sex toys you know you can think of bullets and you can think of you know um womanizer it's like sort of mid to lower range you know so i just think there needs to be like a lower range male sex toy that isn't a butt plug uh or a prostate massager which i think are also great i've got some of those um but i think it's not a starter sex toy is it if you're talking to like young men you want them to explore themselves and kind of own their sexuality a bit then they need to have a starter sex toy you know um so yeah there's spoilers to what i'm trying to bring out next year but I, I, I can't wait to see what you'll bring out. And, you know, I expect to be one of the first people to see oh, one of these. Mate, I'll send you, you on a post. Yeah. But like, like you say, I think the cheaper end, usually for male toys, are disposable as well, which... Yeah, one use. Yeah, yeah one use, throw it in the bin. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, which obviously isn't good for the environment either. Yeah, and we've got to yeah. look at things like that nowadays. Um, but like you said, the ones that do look just look like a vulva on a stick, mm-hmm. I think can be intimidating for men as well. Um, yeah. So I think you know I have 
men, like you know many male friends who I've said before to before about using sex toys and they will not entertain it. They just think they find it creepy or they find yeah. it wrong. And I don't yeah. know, guy. They'll, they'll buy toys for their partners, but they won't buy anything for themselves. Yeah, definitely. I think I think a big part of that is again not 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 slating any of these toys, but like when you think of male sex toys, yeah, you think of the bowl and stick, you think of blow up sex dolls, you think of blow up sheep. Like these like joke presents that you get for like stag dudes and stuff, which are hilarious. And I like that, or, or, you know, but it's like, that's why there's a stigma, I think, is you don't just think, oh, there's just this like standard sex toy that I use. You know, you would never, you know, go down the pub and be like, oh, just use this, uh, this little, you know, 10 pound thing. Um, and yeah, and that's what kind of, so that's, that's why I've got a bunch of Tenga eggs behind me because uh, I messaged the uh, Tenga guys that I work with and said i want to give these to people and just to see their reaction i just want to see what the immediate reaction is i want to give them an egg to someone who's never even thought about male sex toys and see what they say and every single time i've given out four already i've got another like 12 to give it out every single time they go is that supposed to go up my ass and it just shows you that's the stigma like and we don't need to go into that like the whole ass play thing you know with with straight guys but yeah so that's the that's the thing it's like this is the lowest entry level sex toy and they are scared of it because it looks like an egg and it looks like it goes up your ass <laughs> so yeah, we need to work yeah. On that. i think this yeah it's something can definitely be worked on like yeah. you say it's and you know like you say i think a lot of men think as soon as you mention the word sex ties they're thinking of bum player and things yeah. like that and, yeah. and that again frightens them they're not willing to yeah. like have the again though this joint goes back to conversations that we can have at a younger age you know yeah. it's not wrong to try prostate play or anything like that you're just exploring you might like it you might not if we if you don't try you don't know yeah exactly i don't i don't really see maybe this is me being naive but i don't really see the trouble with yes i understand 14 15 16 year olds you need to tell them about you know the reproductive system and all that stuff 16 to 18 they're having sex most most 16 20 year olds are having sex so why not talk to them about pleasure and like you know different tastes and say that like here's five things that you can do in sex and you might only like two of them but you know try them safely in a nice place you know a safe place with a safe partner that you care about um and find out what you like you know there's just kind of give them this idea of like discovery and you know learning themselves and toys can be a big part of that definitely you are definitely preaching to the converted <laughs> with that one mind it's, it's <laughs> it, like i say it's conversations i have so often and like with yeah. other sex educators and with um like sex education like facilitators and it's mm. like you kind of want to re like at the end of the day kids get access to like social media early now so yeah. they can look for that sort of thing anyway so they're gonna find it, it. Yeah. yeah so have it in a safe environment yeah have it with people who've been checked for dbs checked yeah things like that yeah and then you know it's safe yeah completely my my dad did something really good with this actually when we first had the like we didn't really have the birds and bees chat but we were talking about like i was i would have been like 14 15 he was talking about using condoms and stuff like that and he said something that was basically like as long as you're doing it in the house i don't care what you do like just do it in the house you know he knew my girlfriend at the time and it, that was him basically saying like experiment try things but do it in the house don't have to don't sneak away somewhere or go somewhere dangerous and like you know hide it you know just do it close the door you know um and i think that's really cool i don't think he meant i don't think he meant go and explore your sexuality but that's what happened you know um so that's really important and yeah exactly like you're saying if we can tell young adults this stuff in a safe place that's great it's only gonna be good right otherwise exactly like you say they're gonna find this stuff they're gonna experiment themselves they're gonna go explore themselves so why don't you give them a bit of guidance you know 
Yeah, and I think we'll we'll like I said we'll come back to the sex toy shortly. But like the lack of education, do you think that had any bearing? Because one thing you are openly talk about is being a sex addict. Yeah. So do you mm. think that had any bearing on that, or is that just something? I yeah, natural? I don't know. My I think <laughs> natural. Yeah, yeah. Natural, natural born sex addict. Yeah. Um, I think that my education didn't have much on it. I think because my education was so lacking, it was just like, here's how to not get HIV, off you go. That was basically it, you know, my education. I think it was more of a societal thing that led me down the sex addiction route. So, um, yeah, I think the whole, you know, putting value on sex and telling telling little boys, you know, the way for you to achieve value is to get girls interested in you, you know? My dad was big on that. Bless him. My dad was amazing. But, um, yeah, he definitely put a lot of value on, on uh you know chasing girls and getting girls to like you and, and getting laid and like he would always ask me how many girls i would had sex with like it, like he'll still ask me now um and he'd always compare it to him his number and all this stuff and he meant it in a nice playful way but you know those things chip away at you so i think it was yeah it was more of a societal thing i put a lot of value on it and i ended up getting a lot of my own validation from it if anyone that's listened to the podcast you know there's there's many different reasons why you might have an unhealthy relationship with sex or love or affection or relationships mine was uh purely down to validation so i felt like i was worth i still do i feel like i'm worth something when someone finds me physically attractive um so yeah what i had to work on was basically making that not the only way i felt good about myself it's okay to feel good about yourself because someone fancies you that's cool like that's part of what you know hooking up that's fine but um for me it was the only way so i was like i'm sad if i go get laid i won't be sad anymore um so yeah i've had to work on that and uh yeah it's been a journey if you don't mind me asking, how long a journey has that been for you? And like, where's it, where has it gone? Like, have you had to seek therapy? Uh, yeah. yeah. So I, this started about four years ago, four and a half years, ago, uh, maybe three years ago. I don't know. People will be lining up with the time the podcast started. <laughs> they were unrelated, I swear. Um, but yeah, so I basically, long story short, I, I'd always been like, a, a bit of a cheat and like a bit of a kind of my my relationships had overlaps all the time um I wasn't very good at monogamy and I thought well it's fine one day I'll meet the, the right girl and I'll just snap into monogamy it'll be fine and then I met a girl who I was madly in love with um from like the day I met her and I was like oh this is that girl this is where it all clicks into place and my brain was still like wandering and thinking about having sex with other girls and I was like uh hello this wasn't part of the deal you're supposed to like switch into monogamy now um so I went and got counseling to make myself monogamous which isn't a thing by the way <laughs> um but yeah so I went to counseling and was like yeah I'm really in love with this girl and I don't I want to just be with her and, ho- and only her uh but I keep wanting to sleep with others and I and I don't want to like I feel like I don't want to sign up to a life of only being with one girl forever um and it basically came down to like well you know we can't make people monogamous but maybe we should question why you're pursuing sex so much and then that yeah was like oh because I hate myself like really hate myself and sex is the only thing that makes me feel really good about it at the time all I had was sex and uh, music I've been in a band for 10 years and back then it was more of a full-time thing um so those are the only two things I had and music as anyone knows is very fickle you're like really successful or you're failing it's like one or two yeah yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so sex was like a nice constant for me. It's like, oh, I'll always feel good. While music's going bad, I'll just get laid and I'll feel better about it. Um, so, yeah, so that was a few years ago. I think three, three, maybe four years ago. I should probably figure that out. Um, so I've been classing myself as a recovering sex addict since then. Uh, and basically, obviously, it's not it's not like 
uh, alcohol addiction or drug addiction where you're slowly working towards a day where you never do those things again with sex addiction it's not actually clinically an addiction it's actually a um, compulsive sexual behavior disorder uh, so you have to get it down to a level where you have a healthy relationship with sex you don't feel compelled to have sex um, so I, I did that and did really well um, I had my first relapse this year um, which for me manifested as uh, kind of yeah again pursuing it for the wrong reasons and messaging people that I didn't necessarily like didn't that weren't necessarily very nice to me um, and yeah that was quite a recent discovery actually that I had relapsed um, so I'm now working on that so yeah I'd say all in all the journey's been like three to four years wow because sex addiction is something you hear about but mm. you don't hear people really up you know you see about like because oh, it was in the paper because Tiger Woods yeah said about it and things like that but you don't hear that honesty about it so much and I think thank not you so much men. for talking definitely no, not for men no. definitely not for men and thank you for being like so open about that because I think we get so many questions to like the love lounge about different things to do with sex and such and I think it's good to know that there is people if if we get questions about sex addiction to know there's people out there we can like say right listen to this or put them in touch mm. with to have them con- open conversations about it because like we can't be experts on everything. And mm. it, I think that's one thing. So I think it's good to have these open conversations so we can like live it, live with our experiences so we can then realize what's going on with ourselves as well. Yeah, definitely. No, thank you so much. I appreciate that, that, that people are even listening, to be honest, because uh, I remember I was putting the podcast out and I had no intention of talking about it. And then we are weeks away from putting out the first episode and my friends were like, so you're not mentioning the sex addiction. It's like, no, I don't want to. And they were like, that's really important. <laughs> like you're doing a sex podcast. You should talk about it. So I didn't want to, but that's by far the best received stuff I ever do is when I talk about that stuff. And it's, I get asked to go on other podcasts like this and talk about it. And it really, really feels good. It was fucking terrifying at the start, but um, now I've done it so much. I feel really good about it. And the thing that I've noticed as well is that there's definitely like there's a spectrum of you know sex addict air quotes uh and you know you can i think a lot of people touch this without realizing um and a lot of people have unhealthy relationships with sex without realizing which is why i really want to talk about it because i think a lot well definitely in my friends anyway from me talking about it in my friendship circle i like three or four people have been like oh yeah shit i i think that way too and they've worked on it and they've come out way happier and way healthier afterwards so it's like i think I think compulsive sexual behavior disorder is something that a lot of us touch on without realizing. Um, and the example I always use is like, uh, you know, if you're, if you go out for the night um, to a club or whatever, I say this like someone who's ever been to a club, look at me. I've never been to, I've been to like a, a gig, not a yeah. club, <laughs> but if you, you get all like done up, you get dressed up, you look good. All your friends look good. You smell nice. You go out. Yeah. Fun with your friends. It's a great night. Some of your friends pull, you don't. And then when you're leaving, like, what's the feeling in your stomach? Because I know people that will feel like the night is wasted because they haven't pulled or because they haven't gotten laid and, you know, someone isn't appreciating how good they look. Um, And I know other people that are perfectly content with that and they go home and they've had a great night with their friends and they sleep a full eight hours and they feel incredible. Um, And I just think that that is is a good example of like, no, you're not, you're probably not a sex addict, but you might be pursuing sex or, you know, affection for maybe the wrong reasons, you know, to, to feel good about yourself, to validate yourself. Um, so that's an example I like to use because, yeah, I think a lot of people may experience that who would never class themselves as a sex addict. That makes so much sense because, like, you know, in especially I remember, like, in my late teens going to nightclub, like, you know, in early 20s, most of the lads were going out there to pull, get laid, 
and they they set their night on it. And I think, mm. yeah. But I think as well, like you touch in there. I think if we as a male, the male perspective is completely different as well. And I think mm. that's maybe how again back to the sex education thing. How young men view women, view sex. And again, it goes back to the education side. In, yeah. 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 No, I totally agree. I think um, j- even just on the education thing, even just to the point where they used to split up boys and girls in sex education, they probably still do. I don't actually know. Cause I guess they teach the girls, you know, stuff like periods and they teach yeah. the guys stuff about condoms and stuff. That's, that's a strange concept to me. I think we should all be learning about each other. You know, I think, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm not a teacher, so I don't know how like the youth of today want to learn. I guess if you had a lot of boys there learning about periods, they'd giggle and make the girls feel bad. So I get, I get that. But yeah, I just think like, like you say, it all stems from education and societal stuff as well. You know, uh, we're sort of taught that girls should be locked away and kept away from people's sons, and you know, and and boys should go out and pursue girls, you know, and they should go and chase girls and stuff like that i just think there's a few things there that like we should maybe address because yeah it's attaching value to something that isn't well i was gonna say isn't that valuable but isn't isn't the be all and end all you know like flirting and having sex is fun and don't get me wrong going out to a club and pulling and having a one-night stand is really fun that's cool but um what are you getting out of it you know are you doing it for fun does it make you feel good because in small doses that's okay but do you feel like you need it to be worth something that's when it's a problem and like groups of lads that you mentioned like groups of guys you know when they all go out and they're all looking for girls i don't know that that always makes me feel a bit nervous i always feel a bit uneasy i had one recently i had like a weekend away with a bunch of guys and it, it there was a bit of that going on you know like so let's go here and try and pull some girls and it just makes me feel really uncomfortable because i'm just like uh like we can have fun and like if girls happen that's great if you meet girls that's great let's do that but i don't want it to be like the objective you know yeah it, it comes across it can come across in the wrong way can't it and Definitely. I, yeah, you know, going back to like you were saying about periods and splitting classes up in mm. schools, I don't see why boys don't learn about periods as well. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, I had to learn it all through girlfriends. Yeah, later on in life and asking stupid questions. And I and I'm really good at asking stupid questions. I love a stupid question. I bet there's a load of guys my age that don't know anything about periods um, because it's an awkward thing to talk about and people get grossed out by it, which is okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think yeah. I think we should. I, I have friends who like for you know for the listeners who don't know i'm like 41 and i have friends doesn't look who, a day over 25 though <laughs> i'll take that as an amazing compliment but yeah i have i have friends my age who don't know about periods and things it it's crazy yeah. you know they yeah. have they have daughters and they don't know how to talk yeah. about these things well it's, it's not an easy thing to talk about let's face it and that's okay you know admitting that you're scared of it is okay admitting yeah. that you're grossed out by periods is okay but you know i think just the more you learn about something, the less scary it is, you know? Yeah. So I think the next thing we'll talk about is back to the sex toys. Um, mm. One of the brands I know you work with quite well is The Handy. And, the Handy, yeah. Oh, massive, brilliant toy. Uh, yeah. I am reviewing it shortly, which will go on the hub for our listeners. Amazing. Um, so what got, like, what were your thoughts on, like, that sort of product when you first saw it? <laughs> so, yeah. So The Handy is basically a robot hand job, right? They don't yeah. like me saying that. They keep telling me off when I say that. So I, sh- I should come up with a new way of saying it. But it's basically, it's an automatic hand job machine, right? Um, so when I first got it, I was like, this is weird. Like, this is really strange. Uh, and it's, it makes like a little noise as well. It feels very um, artificial. And when you first like put it on, you're like, oh, I don't know about this. It feels really weird. And the first time you use it is, is awful. But that is what I think 
the, the same for every sex toy. Every sex I've ever used, I've hated the first one to three times. Uh, you have to keep, you know, have to get used to it. Um, so yeah, then I then I started getting used to it, and I started looking into the the scripting stuff. So you can you can hook it up to uh, porn videos, and it will follow the actions in the video um and then yeah follow along and that was amazing because i was like this is the most realistic you know simulation of sex i've ever experienced um and now i'm looking into vr with them which i was chatting to you about so um yeah you can hook up to vr and so i guess you can watch the person move while the handy i don't know i haven't tried it yet but i think it's gonna blow my mind and i think you'll never see me again i'll, I'll just get lost in you'll just virtual. disappear forever <laughs> yeah just drop off the face of the planet i'll just be in my room <laughs> in virtual reality um, so yeah, that's that's the handy, I guess. Yeah, I think you know my big thing where like sex toys is concerned, especially for men, is it can be the only way that some people can masturbate, like mm. depending on their disability. And yeah. like for me, for example, I have problems with dexterity. Mm -hmm. I struggle gripping, so okay. something like the handy should be ideal for me. I've yeah. tried other products, and it, it's like so you've got to try these things. And I have spoken to people in the love lounge who've asked us questions about this and the handy is a product that i've recommended for people to try and they've yeah. tried it and said it's brilliant so I amazing thought, right, i need to try yeah. it myself yeah but we'll see where it goes yeah yeah no amazing but they're they're so good with it um i love the guys over there um and they've been we're actually working on videos now like i said for vr but we're working on a video specifically about um the handy with disabilities and all of the community designed grips that they have so they have things that like clip onto tables clip onto the wall um like chest harnesses uh which hold the handy in place so i'm really looking forward to getting into that and chatting to all kinds of people you know that that might benefit and really seeing you know how much of a difference it makes but like yeah. yeah i'm super excited for that i've been wanting to do it for a long time it'd be great it literally got confirmed yeah 100 it got confirmed 10 minutes before i started chatting to you how weird is that me and yeah. you've been trying to make this happen for months. I've been trying to make the VR videos happen for months. And then on the same day, they come together. Um, See, yeah. everything happens for a reason. Big believer. There you go. So, yeah, I'm really excited for that. Um, I'm really excited to talk to people um, from all walks of life about, yeah, the struggles they have using sex toys conventionally and how this is going to help. It's going to be good. So, like, to finish off, what is coming up soon in your world? It's coming up soon in my world. So we have the 50th episode of the podcast coming out this week, which is very exciting and terrifying. Um, so that's happening. Um, yeah, anyone who's interested in anything I've said or just general like stories about sex world, uh, sex workers, funny sex stories, um, anything like that, check out Let's Talk About Sex Jamie, the podcast. And we're launching a YouTube channel. This is the first time I've said it out loud. We're launching a YouTube channel. Um, yeah, so that's gonna that's gonna launch with a bunch of videos actually about the handy. The first five videos are all about the handy and uh, men's sexual health and stuff like that. So check that out. We, I certainly will be, and I will be telling a lot of my mates to have a look as well. Amazing, I think please do. Let's, let's educate all these young men. <laughs> yeah, in exactly. A, in a positive way. Yeah. So and old and old men and old men. Old yeah, because I think we can all learn. We can definitely yeah, all definitely. learn. Yeah. Once again, Jamie. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank it's you been so an much. Absolute dream talking to you. And let's Thank you. hopefully do more stuff in the future. Oh, this is the first of many things. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like any more information about the work we do under the Undressing Disability campaign, then go on to our website at enhanceuk.org and click on the Undressing Disability tab. <laughs> <laughs>